Hello everyone, welcome back to For the Girls for our Hungarian Grand Prix recap. This race did not disappoint. We had comebacks, fumbles, a maiden pole. We will unpack all of it. And we are also officially in silly season and wow, has it hit us harder and sooner than we expected, I feel. We'll discuss the absolute bombshells that Vettel and Alonso have hit us with. Vettel announcing his retirement, and a mere five days later, Alonso taking his seat at Aston Martin for a multi-year deal. Judging from our Instagram answer box, you guys are just as surprised as we are, so we will have lots to discuss. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at For the Girls. We love hearing from all of you, and follow us to stay updated on fun content over the August break as we all try and stay up to date with F1 stuff during silly season. So lots to talk about. We'll dive right in. I'm Tiggy. I'm Sarah. And I'm Chessa. So let's do our main takeaways from the weekend. For me, such an epic way to enter the August break. There's so much to talk about here. Definitely a lot for the teams to think about too. I think for me, this weekend was a really good example of what this whole season has been demonstrating. Reliability and consistency are going to be king or queen or whoever wants to win the constructors. And honestly, I think no team has shown up here in that regard. Clearly, Ferrari can't keep it together. Red Bull was at the back of the starting grid for this race. Mercedes is now back on podium. So actually, Mercedes has been pretty consistent lately. Um, but really, the only consistent team I'm really sensing is Williams, just consistently <laughs> at the back of the grid. I know what to expect from them. I love it. So I'm excited to see what the teams are going to change maybe to help with that. And then side note, we're going to talk about it later too. But if si- if silly season counts for the principles, I wonder if Mattia is going to leave. <laughs> I don't know what's going to go on. <laughs> for me, I think not that surprising of a take, but I think with such a huge lead at this point, Max is definitely going to be world champion. I just don't see how Charles or anyone else could breach that gap at this point. I'm going to disagree slightly with Chessa because I do think this was actually an example of how reliable Red Bull is in the sense that I feel like no matter what happens to work against them, like a disastrous quality starting P10 and P11 while their main rivals are in P2 and P3, I think what really sets Red Bull apart is their ability to react and be adaptable and think on the fly and just always grind and make something happen. So for example, on Sunday, they planned to start on the hards, but then they came up with a new strategy on the spot when it just became clear to them that the hard tires wouldn't work. And then Max started on softs. So we're witnessing almost peak Max and the team, including their strategy team, which is led by a woman. Shout out to Hannah Schmitz. We are so proud of her. And it definitely makes the contrast to Ferrari just so much more stark. I really don't understand why they won't take accountability for their mistakes. Like mistakes. Still, Mattia is saying that won't acknowledge that there was any problems with their strategy on Sunday and said it was a pace That's problem. That's insane. It's it's really kind of shocking. Mattia out here refusing to say that it was a bad call with the hard tiles when Charles came right out and said it, said he had no clue why they did it. All the other drivers were shocked. So I don't know. Tiggy, I think Tiggy had an epically correct call when she said Merck could pass Ferrari and constructors. <laughs> we shall see. So this race for me, I think, took so many takeaways from the first half of the season, 
wrap them up in a nice little bow and serve them to us on a silver platter. Max is unstoppable. Ferrari will lose almost every single race for their drivers if it comes down to strategy. Don't bet against the consistency of the Mercedes machine. Danny Ricardo is going nowhere fast or slow, depending on how you look at it. (laughs) Yuki, Joe, Stroll, Albon, Latifi, and Hulkenberg officially cannot win the world champion, which is shocking no one, unless any of you out there were holding out hope that Latifi could pull it out of the bag after summer break. But uh, besides the simulation glitching with Latifi winning FP3 and the unexpected quality results from Saturday, I really think this weekend's outcome was sort of a microcosm of what we've seen so far this season and a very good place to hit pause for three weeks. Very well said, Tiggy. So how are hot takes held up? Mine, definitely one of my worst hot takes ever. I had a Charles win, which at Oof. least I was correct in categorizing that as a hot take because I said Ferrari <laughs> was in such shambles that him winning was a hot take. <laughs> Plus a Haas in the top five, which also was tragically off. I'll have to live to see them fight another day. <laughs> yeah, I feel like we all didn't do very well this week. Mine were not good, despite despite me wishing the best for Alonso during his B-Day week. He did not make podium or even top five, and Chesso, Chessa, <laughs> <laughs> and Checo did not do better than Max. Probably a losing game at this point to bet against Max, so I don't know. I guess that's what a hot take is for, though. <laughs> yeah, point taken. Mine was also on the underdogs. Um, beating their top team. So yeah, Checo did not be Max for me. Sainz did outperform Charles, but at this point I'm just scrapping everything that had to do with Ferrari. And then I had Lewis winning. So obviously Lewis didn't win, but a Mercedes 2-3 I think makes up for it. So I'm like two and a half out of three or one and a half out of three on my hot takes. Yeah, Chessa, that's not bad. What about MVPs? Yeah, for me, I think obviously despite even though I said Red Bull wasn't consistent, I did I do think they were the MVPs for this race, specifically their strategy team. Like major shout out to Hannah Schmidt, Sarah, um, who you mentioned earlier. She's their principal strategy engineer. I think a great driver and a great car is obviously paramount for being a, a successful team. But these Formula One teams now we know are nothing without the people behind the scenes as we've seen in Ferrari's case. Um, So I'm loving the team moment here. I'm just, yeah, Red Bull really shone or shined for me. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I'm going to be a little bit more specific uh, in Red Bull and say Max. I think the difference between a good driver and a world-class one is a race like that, going from 10th to 1st, like Sarah mentioned, just turning it around winning with a gap of almost eight seconds, either, even after affording himself the ability to do a little 360 spin midway through. So <laughs> pretty epic. And I will also throw in the Red Bull pit stop crew for the 2.1 second Checo stop, which is legendary stuff while Ferrari was throwing out four plus seconds, unfortunately. Ouch. Definitely Max. No questions asked for me. I think after what a lot of people view as an asterisk championship last year, I think I'm glad he's able to prove this year that he is world champion material. So many good, clean overtakes. As Tiggy said, even make a spin look easy and (laughs) graceful in a way. He also seemed so lighthearted right after, is smiling a lot more than usual, and I think is Botas style, just living his best life. So good things all around. I think he'll cinch the deal on the championship relatively early this fall. Wow. 
Okay, so least valuable players for me, is it too obvious to say the clown show that is Ferrari? No, you <laughs> know, deserved. I feel generally on this podcast, we try to assume the best intent and keep it positive, but I think at this point, it's really hard to defend them in any way or ignore the incompetency. And I predict some shakeups incoming, as Chessa mentioned. I'm not sure I'll go so far as to say Mattia getting fired, but I do think something's got to change. Yes, Charles and Carlos have made their fair share of mistakes that have cost them points, but I can't imagine how stressful it must be to feel like the team doesn't have your back. You really have to be out there calculating your own strategy while at the same time trying to pump out quality, quality runs lap after lap on Sundays because there's a high likelihood that the team will cost you multiple positions regardless. So I don't know. We'll talk more specifics when we get into the race, but I'm really feeling for the drivers and wondering if there will be any talk to try and get out of contracts sooner than planned, which would be very spicy. I totally agree. I think that it's given me a lot more perspective on the mindset the drivers must have because we talked a lot about Carlos overdriving and making mistakes earlier in the season. And then of course, Charles overdriving, pushing the car too much and having such an unforced spin in France. But if they're having to try to drive at 105% every single lap because they never know at what point the team's going to pull out the rug from under them. And if they're always so stressed, like no wonder they're making unforced errors because yeah, exactly what Tiggy said. If the team doesn't have your back, I can't imagine what it's like having to drive in that. Totally. Again, what Tiggy said about the pit stops, it's like, choose your struggle. You can't over have a bad strategy and then have one of the best drivers in the world, Charles, trying to stay out in mediums, ignore him, put him on the objectively worst tire, and then also be doing over four second pit stops. Like, Only Ferrari could start P2 and P3 with their main rivals in P10 and P11 and still (laughs) manage to have no drivers on podium. It's just, it's like shocking to me at this point. Yeah. Since you guys have probably already got, you guys already got Ferrari all covered on the LVP, I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to throw in also Haas is my LVP. For whatever reason, I was expecting like a rocket ship of a new Haas for K-Mag and really came out of nowhere and was bottom 10, like no points, nothing. So... Ouch for Haas as well. So tough. Getting into some news before we dive into the race, because silly season has arrived, whether we expected that to or not already, it it is here. So starting with the biggest announcement last week, Sebastian Vettel retiring. He made an Instagram account late on Thursday night. He had said previously he would only make an Instagram once he was retired And there was a lot of speculation when he made the account, like, is he going to retire? Is he entering a new era? And he made the announcement via a video he posted super early on Friday morning. And he sort of gave it away via Instagram, his, his bio saying that there was still a race to win, which seems like a retirement vibe. But we just wanted to hit a couple, you know, really great stats about Vettel because he truly is such a great. And I think newer fans probably didn't see as much of this since he's been at Aston Martin, you know, and and hasn't been racing at the top, but four-time world champion tied with Prost for fourth most ever, 53 wins, third behind Lewis and Schumacher, 122 podiums, also third behind Lewis and Schumacher. So really amazing stuff from him over the years that he has raced. And I think many people are sad to see him go. And over the course of his career, he raced with BMW, Toro Rosso, Red Bull, where he won the four world championships, Ferrari, and now Aston Martin. And from the 
infamous shenanigans like the, doing the donuts in his early days to the Uncle Seb activist personality he has come to be known by. He will be missed in the paddock for sure. And we are definitely going to do a Seb deep dive before the season's over so you all can learn more about his history. But it's really sad that Ferrari and Aston Martin let him down at the end of his career, but he's getting some validation for the Ferrari years right now since people are now like, wow, maybe the problem wasn't Seb. It was the Ferrari organization. (laughs) So true. But one thing I'm really interested in is he's so well-liked and respected in the paddock now, and his evolution is just fascinating. And I have this theory that all world champions, so Vettel, Lewis, Schumacher, Alonzo, Max, they have to be super cutthroat and kind of ruthless to get there and develop a lot of enemies along the way, whether it's teammates, other drivers, the public, the media, and which is definitely true for Vettel as well earlier on in his career. And then it's kind of only later in their career that they mellow out and become more popular generally. So I am happy he's able to go out on kind of this era where since he's not competing at the front, he's able to be so well-liked and have all these friends in the paddock and be promoting his causes. Yeah, other drivers were definitely really sad to see him go. Carlos had a lovely statement about how much he looked up to him for his entire career. Mick was obviously really sad because Vettel was a huge um, role model for him. So I think right now what's what's next to talk about is what we think he'll do next. Personally, I think – I hope I just want him to chill for a little bit. But selfishly, I think he also needs to just jump right onto the climate change bandwagon. We need a hero, and I think Vettel can be it. Yes, votes for that. I think maybe a Vettel foundation of some sort aimed at big causes like climate change, diversity and inclusion, that sort of thing. But also, I think he might just try and be a dad for a while. As he mentioned, he will eat chocolate, enjoy fresh bread and look at blue things until he's ready to to jump back in. That video was so funny. It was so precious. Get his daughters into karting, maybe. Maybe. In other news, or I guess in news to follow, Silly Season has officially begun. It was announced on Monday that Vettel's seat at Aston Martin will in fact be taken by Alonso. I think Alpine was really taken by surprise. The principal said literally two days ago that he thought talks with Alonso for next season would be easy and were going well. So I think Vettel retiring out of the blue definitely took them by surprise. Alonso going over there even more. It definitely was a bit of a shocker. The speculation was really heavy that Mick or others could take Vettel's seat. Michael Schumacher and Seb were really close when Schumacher was the legend in the paddock and Seb was an up-and-comer. So now Vettel has kind of been that for Mick. Apparently, Seb had had a conversation with Lawrence Stroll and stated his opinion on potential successor, saying he was really fond of Mick and really was thinking that he could take his seat. So I think people were very surprised, but I think... Alonso kind of makes sense and for me there's two reasons one we've seen this that Aston Martin is a very ambitious team I think Lawrence Stroll is putting in the work to prepare the team for some pretty good mid to long-term success they've managed to get a heavy hitter in the past like Vettel so why not one-up it and try to get Alonso I think Alonso's having a bit of a I don't want to break out because he's a legend in and of himself but he's having a really great season it almost makes sense for him to have his face on this like big up-and-coming team so that's my one reason and then also I think as much as people thought they were stable for Alonso at Alpine I don't think things were going to be that stable just with Oscar Piastri waiting in the wings so I think good good on Alonso I think this might be an okay move 
I am going to have to disagree, I think, and be a little bit more cynical. I think in my mind, it's definitely a step down for him. Aston Martin, second to last in constructors. And I'm not totally sold on the long-term success story. I think every losing Same. team like, has, <laughs> some, <a> girl hope. <laughs> has some narrative of like how they're going to be the next breakout team, you know, but also Alonso is 41. So it's not like he has all the time in the world to see a new version of El Plan out with like Aston Martin. <laughs> and I think Alpine has arguably the fourth fastest car on the grid. And Alonso, Chessa, as you mentioned, has been having a good season. He's been fighting in the top 10 somewhat consistently this year. So if he's really about winning races, Aston Martin is not the answer, especially in the He literally got a front row start with Alpine and then he's just like, bye. Yeah. I, I think, think he was feeling some pressure. I don't know. I think a few possible drivers for this decision, numbers one, two, and three being money. I think <laughs> he must be making bank in a way that Alpine could never dream of shelling out. And and important to remember that driver salaries are not in the cost cap, yes. so they could be paying him like God knows how much money. Yeah. Lawrence is a billionaire. I have. I, I don't even want to know how much Alonso is going to be making. I think another reason the multi-year contract signals his desire to stay in F1 longer than maybe we anticipated, regardless of the level of car or, or racing. So I don't know, maybe Alpine wasn't giving him more than a one-year deal, who knows. But another reason he may have been peeved that Alpine didn't immediately relegate Ocon to number two driver status and they were sort of duking it out. Or perhaps he was getting a bit of pressure to open up a seat for Piastri, but I doubt that's a big factor here. I think drivers are usually pretty in it for you know themselves. Not that Alonso is like a selfish guy, but if he saw a future there, I, I don't think he would just jump. And then last thing I'll say on Aston Martin's side, they and Daddy Stroll have every reason to open the purse strings. I think you know he's basically a like for like swap with Vettel. They love the status of a big name, former world champion. And it sounds good on Lance's resume to be racing against another legend in the sport. So I think they cut himself a pretty good deal, but I, I really don't think it's a good move from Alonso for his racing future. And it also just seems kind of transparent that it was probably more, mostly about the money. Yeah, I was really shocked by this. At first, I would have thought maybe this deal had been hammered out or had been in the works for a long time before Alpine had its recent improved form and pace. But Seb only told Aston Martin he was retiring a few days ago. So this just happened in a few days and he was so quick to pull the trigger. So it is true in terms of resources that Aston Martin is building a huge marquee new factory that's going to be really cutting edge. And Lawrence is willing and able to commit all the resources in the world to get baby Lance in a race winning car. <laughs> but I think this season shows that it's about so much more than money. Like teams that are way less resourced are outperforming Aston Martin. So I think like Tiggy said, I think my best guess is Aston either offered him a ton of money or I think maybe um, my, uh, I think the other main theory is that Alpine was only offering a one-year deal, sort of like Botas to Alfa Romeo, where Botas was like, Mercedes is only giving me a one-year deal and I'm at the point in my career where I want more stability. So maybe it could have been that, but kind of, I, I was shook when I saw this, I woke up and it was just to a text from Tiggy saying, <laughs> Alonzo is going to Aston Martin. I was like, what? what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's another rumor flying around that maybe something's going on under the hood at Alpine. Like 
Danny left pretty soon after he joined. And so I don't know. I mean, it's all rumors, obviously, but maybe there's something we don't know going on with Alpine. Who knows? Ooh, that's a good one. But the next question is, who is going to get Alonso's seat? I think I'd be shocked if it's anyone other than Piastri, unless he prematurely signed a Williams contract and is now kicking himself. But I have to go with him, and I expect they'll announce that soon to cover the media blowback from Alonso leaving. Like, it clearly took them by surprise and is not a great look for Alpine at the moment. Tiggy, I agree with you. Piastri for sure. I'm definitely excited for some new blood in the mix. It'll be cool. Yeah. I think if Piastri goes to Alpine, then Logan Sargent might get Latifi seat at Williams. But rumors are absolutely flying. And the main conspiracy theory right now is that Piastri is going to McLaren and Danny Rick is going back to Alpine to his Renault roots. <laughs> so if that happens, bring back 2020, bring back Cyril. Just <laughs> <laughs> the star of Drive to Survive. We love him. Miss him. <laughs> yes. In other news, while not officially confirmed yet, it has been leaked that Porsche is set to purchase a 50% share of Red Bull technology in order to enter Formula One in 2026. And just a reminder, Porsche is owned by the Volkswagen Group, which voiced its interest in joining F1 earlier this year. And then Audi, also part of the VW Group, also has plans to enter F1, but they are much less concrete at this time. So we'll keep you posted on how that develops. Also, Sauber has renewed their Alfa Romeo title partnership deal. Um, as a reminder, Sauber owns and operates the team under Alfa's name. So another year for them. And then this weekend, we also saw Lewis stop by the W Series, which was really nice to see. What a champ. I don't know why more drivers don't do this. Like there was a whole media blitz about it, which to me just seems kind of basic. Like when I was playing soccer in high school, all the boys would come watch our game and then we would go watch their game. So obviously it should be happening in Formula One. <laughs> Amen. That's true. You know what we love about our Tacova's cowboy boots? You can wear them all year round and for literally any occasion. Of course, you can wear them at the rodeo or at the ranch, but since we're in New York City, we've been getting creative. I even wore mine with a polka dot dress and tights to Sarah's birthday party at a fun, trendy bar in New York City. Tacova's is Western to their core, and they believe in Western for all, handmaking their boots from the most premium leathers. And if you can't make it to a store, visit tacovas.com. that's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com, and point your toes west. And as a special bonus for you, Tacova's is throwing in a free trucker hat or ball cap worth $30 for all online orders over $100. Just use code F1 at checkout. Again, for a limited time, just enter code F1 at checkout to add a free logo hat to your order as a one-time gift from Tacova's. only at Tacovas.com. So we go through practice quickly. So FP1 and FP2 was kind of business as usual for Ferrari. They were definitely showing that as predicted, they had a lot of pace on this track. Sainz got fastest lap FP1. Charles got fastest lap FP2. But one surprise was Lando was P4 in FP1 and both McLarens were in the top five in FP2. So that was a little wild. And then on the flip side, Mercedes was struggling a lot on Friday. They thought it was one of their worst Fridays of the season. Both drivers were noticeably upset on the radio and were like, what on earth is going on? They were a full second off the pace in FP2. So whatever actual sorcery they did overnight on Friday, (laughs) they just need to isolate whatever it is they did and keep doing it because that whatever they pulled out of the bag was just incredible. Then 
In another shocker, we had a wet and rainy FP3. There were lots of spins and offs in the conditions. And Latifi got (laughs) fastest lap in FP3. Just... I thought that was a joke when I saw it. <laughs> Same. I thought it was a meme. Same. It's like, what? Well, it quickly became a meme for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Six tenths faster than Charles and Albin was P3. So, yeah. Strange. Very strange. So for Quali, conditions dried out. Quali, as we mentioned in our preview, really important here since it's hard to pass and historically races are won by the front two rows. Max is like, hold my drink. (laughs) Um, So Q1, we had Mercedes 1-2, which was very exciting for me. We had cuts Yuki, Albon, Vettel, Gasly, and Latifi. Latifi went from P1 to P20 real quick. This is why I'm (laughs) saying Williams is so consistent, guys. (laughs) Someone messaged us like after FP3 seeing Latifi. They're like, man, I should have thought my rethought my fantasy team and put Latifi in there. And then she messaged us after Quali and she was like, never mind. (laughs) (laughs) Consistency is key. Thank you, Williams. For Q2, Checo was out. Joe, K-Mag, Stroll, and Schumacher. Checo got told his lap got deleted for track limits, but then the FIA was like, oops, just kidding, and gave him the lap, the lap back, but still it was not enough for Q3, sadly. So, And then Haas, so much for the white Ferrari there, both out. Sad. For Q3, Sainz was quicker than Charles. He definitely looked set for pole. And then Mac had power unit problems and, to no one's surprise, was freaking out on the radio. So he wasn't able to do a second flying lap and he got P10. So a really horrible day for Red Bull. Like Christian Horner must have had a pretty crappy Saturday night. And then the best part of Q3 for everyone, George, he just whipped something out of the bag. He took pole. It was absolutely amazing. I would have just never guessed that this would happen ever, ever. And he just kept yelling, repeatedly yelling, you beauty on the radio after. <laughs> so funny. So funny. Top five. We had George and Pole. We had Ferrari, Carlos, then Charles, two, three. We had Lando and P4. So nice on the McLaren. Not Danny, though. And then Akon, P5. Lewis was down in P7. He was some having having some issues with his DRS flap. And then, yeah, we did see Carlos out-qualify Charles. So Spicy. Getting into the race, first off, justice for the hunger roaring, maybe. It gets criticized for being hard to pass, which is definitely true. But the past two races have been rainy and spicy events with big comeback drives. So I guess never say never. The start of the race, it started dry generally, even though it was kind of a bit damp and kind of spritzing rain throughout the race. But everyone started on softs or mediums. Maybe exactly zero cars starting on hards should have been some type of signal to Ferrari, (laughs) but... Alas. First lap, we had a great start from Russell to stay ahead of the Ferraris. Also a great start from Sainz. He kept Charles behind him and was wheel-to-wheel on the outside of George going into turn one. Lewis also jumped past both Alpines to get into P5. Alonso was really mad at Ocon for clashing with him at the start. There was some spiciness on the radio. Lando defended against Lewis and held on to P4, which was fun to see. And of course, within just a few corners, Max had jumped from P10 to P8. So spicy first lap. And then by the by lap 10, the running order was Russell, Sainz, Leclerc, 
Norris, Hamilton, then both Red Bulls had caught up for Max P6 and Checo P7. Let's talk about the teams, Red Bulls. So like we said, they did not have a great quality on Saturday. So both cars took new power unit parts. Max had a legendary drive, like we've been saying. To go from P10 to P1 without a safety car or DNFs or anything is just unbelievable. He's had eight wins so far this season, so he could break the record for most wins with a single season. Vettel's at 13, so we're only halfway through. He had some really great passes on the Alpines, Charles, and a lot of other people on the grid to make it to P3 by lap 42. So that's like halfway through the race, he was basically already running on podium. He had some clutch problems. He did a full 360 spin, dropped only to P4 on that, and then he passed Charles pretty easily um, after turn one on lap 45. And there was really nothing that Charles could do. So textbook from Max. And then pains me to say, Checo did not have a great weekend. He's been really struggling. It looks more like his results last year than his results from earlier this season. Lewis really had an easy pass on Checo at one point. So he finished P5. Not that bad considering where he started. But when you compare him to Max's epic drive, you know, it falls a little bit short, but I'm still holding out for Checo. I think we can still see good things from him after the summer break. Mercedes had a amazing Saturday and Sunday. They are confident they can win soon. I think Tiggy has manifested this into existence. <laughs> we had a Mercedes pole and a double podium finish for the second race in a row. Dare I say it? Dare I say? <laughs> you can are say they it back? Now. I believe you. I think they're back. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I have to agree with you, Tiggy. Five podiums in the last five races for Lewis. George also did such a good job defending against Charles for a few laps and passed him later in the race while Charles was struggling on hards. George just had a really good drive. Hamilton also had a great race. He had a nice overtake of science for P3 towards the end and was much faster than George towards the end. So with a few laps left when Lewis had better pace, Lewis was able to pass him on the exit of turn one. I was wondering if he would get any kind of teammate spiciness there but it was clean and easy and they didn't need to do any team orders so Lewis was laying down the law and reminding everyone that he was top dog after George (laughs) got pole on Saturday I will also say one of my favorite moments of the broadcast was Toto doing his double fist pump after Lewis passed (laughs) the Ferrari that was just a beautiful beautiful video I love Toto reactions. And he had the sweater tied around his shoulders yes. too. So cute. So Ferrari, ugh. it was all about the tires here. They both started on mediums around lap 14. Leclerc in P3 was about a second behind signs and asked on the radio if Carlos could go faster. Russell pitted. So then the Ferraris were one, two. Then on lap 17, they pitted signs onto mediums. Some people think they pitted him then to avoid a team order situation with Charles since Charles was right on his tail. This was the first slow stop at almost four seconds, 3.7. Then on lap 22, they pit Charles from the lead onto mediums and he comes out in P2 ahead of Carlos and behind George. Charles had a beautiful pass of George around the outside of turn one on lap 31. So now we have Charles P1 and Carlos P3 and they are in great shape. This is where things start to go down. (laughs) Things are going great. So obviously Ferrari has to change something. (laughs) So then Charles is in a comfortable lead five seconds ahead of George. And on lap 40, they pit him onto hard tires. So why is this such a bad idea? The The conditions on Sunday were cold and damp. Hard tires are harder to warm up and generally have a lot less grip. So essentially the exact opposite of what you would want when there is a chilly track temperature and you really need grip so that you don't slide around everywhere. 
At this point, Yuki had already spun and Lando had reported on the radio that it was really slippery out there and the very few cars with hards on were struggling. So very predictably, Charles was sliding all over the place on the hard tires and just had no pace at all. He said he had told the team he wanted to stay on mediums longer and didn't know why they brought him in. So Max, of course, passed Charles super quickly and just literally a lap later and Charles started cursing profusely on the radio about the tires. Max spun and then promptly passed Charles again. <laughs> yeah, the hard tires were just such a bad call. In the cool down room, Max Lewis and George were visibly shocked when they saw it. They were like laughing. That's like absolutely insane. Then Carlos was in the lead and then they pit him and do an over four second pit stop. Just like what on earth are these people doing? So between two pit stops, Carlos lost over three seconds in pit stops alone compared to what other teams were doing. And Mattia walked off the pit wall into the back of the garage at one point. So I think that just summed up how everyone was doing. Yet he maintains they did nothing wrong. (laughs) One thing I feel like Ferrari does is they – you obviously have to be looking at other teams and adjusting your strategy based on other teams' strategies because it's Formula One – and you have to be reacting. But I feel like they do that to a fault where they're like so hyper focused on like Red Bull strategy and what they're doing and trying only think about how to react based off of that. Whereas Mercedes is like, we're going to run the best strategy for our team and for our race. And we're just going to be consistent about it instead of being really indecisive because we're constantly focused on one other team. I don't know. It's just a hypothesis, but I feel like they no, could, like it. Ferrari could do a lot better at just being a, a little bit more objective in their strategy and like what's best for them, their drivers and their car, rather than focusing so much on Red Bull. I also think they're just not good at being flexible and adaptable. They come up with these plans A through F or G or whatever that everyone always laughs about. And even if the plan that they were on would have called for Charles to pit to hards, it's kind of like read the room, look out on the track, it's rainy, there's drivers spinning. The Alpines are on hards and are really struggling and change your mind on the fly. Exactly. Totally. Do what Hannah at Red Bull does, obviously. Exactly. (laughs) So let's wrap up on some of the other teams. McLaren, they had a disappointing Sunday after doing much better than usual in practice and quality. We had Lando in P7, which really was the best that he could do with the race pace. Um, Disappointing after starting P4, but not much he could do. Danny had a nice pass at one point of both Alpines at once. He they said something funny about like the hunter honey badger being back at it or something, which was funny. <laughs> but he later made contact with Stroll. He finished 15th. He's only scored points in four races of the 13 this year. Ouch. Wow. Wow. That's so bad. Oh that's, that's really tough. Alpine, lots of teammate battling since they were running right behind each other for most of the race. As we mentioned, Alonso was not happy with Ocon at the start. They finished P8 and P9, but Alonso's announcement quickly overshadowed anything else about the weekend. So that's that has been the focus. For Haas, Gunther had a lot to say about the new upgrades, which have definitely moved the car in the same direction as Ferrari, especially the side pod design. But Gunther insists there's nothing wrong and that it makes sense to take hints from Ferrari, given that they have a Ferrari powertrain. And in response to the white Ferrari criticism, he had a classic, really funny Gunther quote where he said, if somebody says we copy, then why should we copy the Williams? They're behind us. So if you copy <laughs> something, you copy the best you can. At the moment, it's Ferrari. We are not stupid. <laughs> just, just don't copy their strategy. Just copy the car. <laughs> but unfortunately, the major upgrade on K-Max car did not translate 
into outsides performance. Mick was P14 and KMAG was P16. They had some issues during the race. We were expecting more, but KMAG did get unlucky with some first lap incidents. So hopefully we can see that upgrade shine over the, after the break. Let's do the Alphas, Alfa Romeo, Botas. This was his first Q3 appearance in seven races, so it was looking better, but sadly he couldn't get away from their own reliability problems. He retired with just a few laps left with a fuel system problem for Alfa Tauri. So sad. Another weekend, no points. Gasly had had to start in the pits on Sunday. He got a new internal combustion engine, new turbocharger, new MGU H and Ks, and then he got a new energy store and control electronics. Basically, they redid everything. <laughs> um, and these components were replaced without FIA approval. So they, under the Park Femme rules, they had he had to start in the pit lane. And then Yuki had a huge spin in the middle of the race, dropped back to P20. So they finished with Gasly in P12 and Yuki in 19. Last couple teams here, Williams, nothing to write home about for them. Albon finished P16 and Latifi P18. Albon had some front wing damage on the first lap and had to pit, and Latifi also had some first lap damage, so not a great weekend for them. As Jessa said, consistency is key. (laughs) Aston (laughs) Martin, uh, last team here, brought a newly designed rear wing that looks like it's supposed to break the intention of the 2022 rules, which limit the traditional end plate to reduce airflow disruption and make it easier for the cars behind to follow. So let's see how the FIA reacts and if they potentially reword some of the regulations to limit this type of change. There was another battle for P10 and that one point for the second race in a row, but this time Vettel came out on top and finished P10 with Lance P11. So at least Vettel scored a point after his retirement announcement. I hope he continues to do so for the rest of the season. The final results and just wrapping up the top 10, we had Max, Lewis, and George on the podium. Then Carlos, Checo, Charles, Lando, Alonso, Ocon, and Vettel. And the radio of the week is, quote, who would have thought when we woke up that we'd win the race by the one and only Max Verstappen. And the standings going into the break, Max continued to extend his lead, but the next five or so were all pretty tight, which is exciting. Max has 258, then Charles 178, Checo 173. So yes. only five, five points. points. Wow. I think I think we could have a Red Bull 1-2 in drivers. I, yeah, things, I don't know. We'll see how George and Lewis do. I, I could see them. <sighs> I could see them taking some ground here. Yeah, a lot of spiciness. So Checo, 173, George, 158, Carlos, 156, and Lewis, 146. So they're all really bunched up there. Constructors, Red Bull is at 431, way ahead of Ferrari with 334. But Mercedes is now only 30 points behind Ferrari at 304. Then Alpine is still ahead of McLaren with 99 points, while McLaren has 95. What to expect during the break? We will be back next week with an AMA or Ask Us Anything episode, so look out for another AMA on our Instagram this week. And as always, we absolutely love to hear from you in our DMs or on Twitter, so send us any ideas for what you want to hear or see hear or see from us in the next few weeks. We've already gotten some really great ideas in our DMs that we love so far, so keep them coming, and we'll talk to you all soon.